Tash Grossman is the co-founder of a tech company named Slip. Slip aims to innovate and simplify the retail experience for customers by allowing its users to receive digital receipts via QR codes. This episode, you will learn about the power of accelerator programs for startups, raising venture capital money, and the process of building Slip. So Slip is very much my first business, but I think I always wanted to be in business, whatever being in business means. So when I was at school, I used to love those like young enterprise competitions where we'd go off on a school trip for the day and be tasked with, I remember one of my first ones was like inventing a modern village for London Olympics, you know, years before London Olympics was even a thing. Um, so I've always loved, you know, watching The Apprentice, Dragon's Den, all that type of stuff and being in the business while I just didn't know that being an entrepreneur was something that I was going to end up doing or wanted to do. So straight out of uni, I went into management consulting, which was very business-like, you know, working with clients, working with people, big organizations. And that's what I was doing till I started set. Yeah. Uh, and what's man- management consultancy like? You know, you, I'm assuming you went to university and came out and, and you was like, yes, management consultancy to rule the world. But what what is it, you know, for, for the listeners and for myself? Um, management consulting is probably one of the hardest careers to describe because I don't even think any management consultant knows <laughs> what they actually do. You're kind of telling organisations how to run their companies better than they can, um, which feels pretty entitled. Um but really it's kind of a junior or just getting exposure to the way that different organizations work and you're using best practice to tell companies how to change things. So when I was at KPMG, that was very much in the financial services space and in technology, you know, how can we use technology to enhance business processes, make them faster and better. And then when I moved to Gate One, it was more in the retail space and more kind of around the HR processes, HR strategy, procurement strategies. Um, So I think the the whole point of it is, organizations bring in management consultants to help them with problems and to drive change that would be too hard to do just internally yeah okay so you just sat there one day or at your desk and you go to yourself hmm I don't I don't think this is working for me you know I, I'm really not happy here did you have the idea for slip while you were working now or did you just want to leave and you came up with the idea because of that that urge to leave the, the nine to five life yeah, so I think I, I think I never had the urge to leave the nine to five. I loved working in consulting and, you know, still very much would go back to it. I came up with the idea of Slip literally standing in Zara, um, trying to return a pair of trousers. The buckle had broken. I'd lost the receipt. Half an hour later, in the queue on a Saturday, get to the front, told, no, don't have your receipt, nothing we can do. And then I'm literally standing there with a pair of broken trousers that are still in my cupboard and we're actually getting them framed to put up in the office now. <laughs> but I started <laughs> I started working on it, you know, whilst I was still at work and I did an accelerator program. So I was almost working two full-time jobs, a 40-hour accelerator program and a definitely more than 40-hour working consulting job. Yeah. And it was only really when the accelerator program finished, I took a break and I went on holiday And I was lying there thinking, you know, I love the company I'm working at and I love consulting, but Slip is really what I want to be doing. That is where I feel most fulfilled. It's where I feel like my best self. And that was the trigger point where I realized it was time to leave and just start working on Slip full time because, you know, you've got to 
I, I really live by the mantra of like do more what makes you happy mm. and if working on slip was what was making me the happiest I just had to go for it yeah and, and so when you were doing this accelerator program it, it was to help build your, your company slip so what did you learn in the accelerator program oh more than what didn't I learn I guess the first thing I learned is that um you know people people have brilliant ideas but the execution is most important you know I I saw founders that had absolutely incredible ideas but they were not willing to put in the hours to make it work and they were getting kicked out of the program and dropping off the program so I think I really learned you know on a soft skill perspective the resilience required to really take it you know to the next level mm-hmm. um but every week on the accelerator is focused on something different you know what's the problem statement who's the customer what's the revenue model what's the legal implications so you really feel like every week you're building the foundations of your business and mm-hmm. I think that you know I would recommend any founder to go through an accelerator program I think it's super super helpful in guiding you and I always get asked, you know, like, oh, you had the idea. Like, how did you know where to start? How did you know what to do? And I think, you know, part of the answer is you figure out as you go along. But the other part is you go on an accelerator where they can teach you a lot about how to do it. Yeah. And when you were in the accelerator, did you have your co-founder then? Or when did your co-founder kind of come into the picture? Because everybody that I speak to that has a co-founder, they, they say how important it is to have that person, you know, with you along the way to bounce ideas off or, you know, whatever else. Like some people use their, their wife or their husband or boyfriend or girlfriend, but luckily for you, you had a full co-founder. So someone who's fully in the trenches with you. So when did Eddie, sorry, come into the picture? I'm laughing so much because you're implying that by having Eddie, I also don't vent this all out to my parents and boyfriend. And <laughs> they would be like, we definitely talk about it too much. Um, yeah. And to be fair, I bounce ideas around with everyone because, mm. you know, no opinion is a stupid opinion. Everyone's got something to bring to the table. But mm. when I decided that I was really going to go for it, and that was kind of as I started the Accelerator program, I said, you know, I needed to do two things. I needed to go on a program and I needed to find a technical co-founder because I'm looking to build technology that is far more complicated than I can imagine mm. and although I have like a I'd say a very good understanding of tech I can't code I'm not a software engineer and you know learning that as well would have just been too intense so I met Eddie through mutual friends I bounced the idea around with him he was working as, as a software engineer at the time and um, he really liked it and then we just started kind of working together I wouldn't say like overly seriously at the start and then kind of as the business was building and it was picking up momentum, then our relationship really bonded and we kind of solidified this, let's let's co-found it together. Yeah, that's a strange thing to build a relationship with somebody like that from you know knowing them from zero to now your lives are very much intermingled you know you, you're financially dependent on each other you're emotionally dependent on each other and it, it's a very intense process but from what I understand it makes the the struggle that much easier you know yeah I think I think just having someone else is like really in it with you and I think that you have to you know I was speaking to someone the other week who was saying that there's two people at a startup and one's the founder and one works for the founder mm. and I can't imagine what that relationship must be like because if there's only two of you you've got to both be as financially and mutually invested as each other. Otherwise, the relationship dynamic and the stress dynamic is just totally off balance. Um, so I, I would say that I definitely get more stress than Eddie, but that's probably just my personality type. He's quite like a chilled a chilled guy, and I am the opposite of chilled. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's really nice to have it, and I think it, it's important as well just for your own mental sanity. Mm. Yeah. 
So you've gone into the accelerator program and you're still working at your management consultancy job. Once you've come out of the accelerator, have you then left your job and gone full-time working on slip? Or did you kind of keep the two bouncing around? So, you know, days at work, evenings on slip. Yeah, so I actually transitioned and I went down to four days a week at work, which then gave me like a full, you know, equivalent of a day a week to work on slip. So that was already, you know, super helpful, but it was still evenings and weekends. And it's when I got to the point of fundraising and I realized that fundraising is a full-time job. And if I'm really going to go for it on the fundraising front, I need to stop working. And that was really, you know, something I had to give. And in September, that's when I said, right, I'm off now. Let, let's go give it this the best chance of success and work on it full time. Yeah. When you're, when you're putting your all into your business, it, it can feel scary because it's, it's now less of like, oh, I, I go into here, I do my work. And, you know, on the 25th or 31st of the month, I get paid. Now it's like, oh, I go to this place that I'm paying for. So I'm really losing money. And then I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And hopefully if I do this and that, it, it works out and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was speaking about this with someone the other day because I said there's not really an optimum age to do it either because I'm 25, so I, I went to work straight out of uni, so I was working for three years. So I had, like, decent savings, but not, like, enough to go for more than a year, you know, on my own and still, you know, try and save for a future. But then when you're late 30s and you've got a family and a mortgage, you also can't take that risk. So there's not really an optimum age about when to do it but I think if there's any time to do it it's when you're younger and you've got less dependent you know there's less people dependent on you yeah um that's not to say that you're not so dependent on yourself but you know you're you're sacrifice you're not making a sacrifice on behalf of someone else you're making it just for yourself so yeah it was it's an interesting balance to strike about when 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 to do it yeah well it's like you said as well earlier you said you know a lot of people have brilliant ideas and they may even be smart enough to join an accelerator program or lucky enough to join one but they're not dedicated to the idea they don't put the work in and it's like risky deciding to to leave a job you know to to commit to it properly is something that's really hard to do because it's you're leaving a safety net and betting on yourself and I would say you know it doesn't matter if you're 18 or you know 60 doing that it's still it's the same amount of risk regardless because you're, you're putting mm-hmm. your everything into it so n- now you're you know full-time with slip and you said you've been doing that since September so let's let's call that six months what does that look like now you know having five days out the week to fill with slip as opposed to you know five evenings in one day like are you feeling yourself progress at a, a higher rate or are you feeling yourself kind of, you know, understanding more of your problems and, and you know, doing things in a, in a better way, I would say? Yeah, so I think the two obvious things is firstly, there's a structure now. You know, there's a, there's a time I wake up, there's a time I get into the office. There's days of the week where I have calls with certain people that are structured and I like structure. I think that that's, it's, you know, you can be agile in a startup and really flexible, but having somewhat structure is, is super helpful. The progression is unbelievable. Like every week, you know, Eddie and I at the start of every week set goals for the week and we look back at them and we say, what have we achieved this week? And it was probably the equivalent of what I would have been able to achieve in a month, mm. just given the, the time com- that we now have now. Obviously, you said I'm not working five days. It's definitely probably more than five. And I definitely do kind of fall over into the weekend sometimes. But I don't mind because, you know, we're at the point of the business where if we're not going to put in the effort in, no one else is. And we're setting up the business for the best chance of success. 
So sometimes that means, you know, putting in an extra hour here, working a morning of a weekend, staying up late. And that, and that's the graph that as a founder you're expected to do. But I can't imagine what it's like for founders really trying to move their business along and still working a full-time job. It is hard. And you said you're, you're, you're a creature of habit. You like routine. Do you have like a, a special morning routine? Do you wake up and have like oats and, and then do yoga or something? Like, I'm just interested in that. <laughs> I, I wish I could get into yoga. I'm like way too fast paced in my head to ever relax. Like I don't relax. So um, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out my morning routine. I used to have one mm. when I was working. You know, I used to go to the gym at a very regimented time and do this and eat that. But I find that you sometimes, you sometimes need to give yourself a bit of slack when it comes to running a business. You know, if I am so tired that I can't wake up from the gym, I can't be hard on myself about it because I'm doing something that's so much harder than, you know, the everyday, um, the everyday person that is at the gym. Um, so I think that, yeah, I'm trying to figure out my routine and what works best for me. Um, it's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's easy. Um, and yeah, I just got to try, try things and figure out what works. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that people kind of skip over Tash with entrepreneurship is, Yes, it sounds all great to do all that. Those, those the things you see on YouTube and and whatever social media is. Oh, wake up! I have a glass of water. I do this and do that. Sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night with you know having a near on panic attack in your chest, like oh god, I I need to get going. I need to do this and that. And it's I think it's actually being able to just not burn out. I guess is is the mm. is the real winner in entrepreneurship. Yeah, I, I read something this morning. It was asking my opinion on the no sleep culture. Mm. Well, that's just stupid. Like, if you don't go to sleep, you'll be tired and your work output will be shit. Mm. So there's absolutely no point not sleeping. But mm. I've had it plenty of times where like, I've woken up in the middle of the night, checked my phone to see what time it is, seen an email come through and I'm just gone into like a raging panic. Oh my God, I need to reply to it now. It's three o'clock in the morning. Of course, it needs to be instant when yeah. realistically it doesn't. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that you've got to, you've got to give yourself some slack and, and rest, but know that you can have a three o'clock in the morning panic attack. Yeah. That, well, I think that's the thing, especially because now we're in this always on world, you know, we're in a, a technology focused world where it's like, I, I, I do work with people in America. I do work with people in Australia and it's like, you know, in that time zone, I'll never get a time to, to rest or anything because when I go to sleep, they're still awake or when I wake up, it's the middle of someone mm. else's day, et cetera, et cetera. And something that I, I'm kind of curious about is because we're talking about stress and, you know, these types of things that, that really do have an impact on you. Fundraising is one of the most stressful things that a founder can do because it's it's the wind in your sails as you kind of, you know, start your your voyage of your business. So, where where did you know to look for fundraising? Is that something you learned in the accelerator program as well? Like talk talk me through the process of of raising just shy of a million pounds. So I think yeah, you learn a lot about it in the accelerator, but I also feel like it's just it's just everything people talk about now. And I, I, I'm in this mind where I very much admit that if I could have built Slip with no external capital, I would have. You know, I admire people that bootstrap their businesses and don't take external funding. But for some reason, you know, it, it, it's a massive achievement when you do do it because you have this like tick of approval that external people believe in you and believe in your business. And that's also great. So so both are great. But fundraising shouldn't be a measure of success. It doesn't mean you're going to be successful. The execution, like I said at the start, is still super important. Right. So I think that that's kind of point number one is that you you can't get away from fundraising. It's all over LinkedIn. It's all over Sifted, TechCrunch, et cetera. It, mm. It's become this like milestone of success 
which isn't a bad thing, but so firstly, you know about it from there. I guess the, the other element is just through your network. You know, you have to speak to enough investors and enough angels and enough funds to know what's working. Right. So what I typically did is I actually reached out to angels and funds that like I wasn't crazy about at the start. Because right. I thought if if I'm going to get criticism and if I'm going to make mistakes, I would rather it not be with my dream investor mm. and be with someone that, you know, is, is still really great. And it would be amazing if they were on board, but it's not going to break my heart them saying no. Mm. And I think that that's, that's quite smart. It's, you know, the same mentality as I remember for a job interview, I once, like literally signed up for a job interview with a company I had no intention of ever taking it just mm. to get good feedback and criticism about where I can improve yeah um so I think that you've got to speak to enough people to really figure out like where you're going right where you're going wrong um and I think mentors is another great thing you know there's enough people out there that have raised capital that can tell you the do's and don'ts tell you the ugly secrets every single person will have a different fundraising story every single person will go through different challenges different levels of rejection acceptance so I think that just making sure you tailor it to yourself and not be hard on yourself as well you know fundraising is hard there's a reason everyone talks about it so much just because it's hard so don't be hard on yourself which is you know I should really practice what I preach more and I wish you know April Tash was talking to November Tash right now <laughs> and saying stop being so hard on yourself yeah and so the pr the process of fundraising, you said, yeah, it's, it's hard and, and you shouldn't be hard on yourself. What is it like to pitch at the moment? Is it is it back to in person or is it still all Zoom based stuff because of the pandemic? What, what's it like? Um, I would say all of my pitches to funds were always on Zoom. The only ones that were ever in person, but if you were, you know, chatting to an angel and you both live locally and said, let's go for a coffee. Mm. Um, but I would say like 80% of the fundraising was done over Zoom. You know, like my lead investors, I've never actually even met them in person. Um, I actually am planning to meet them next week, which will be lovely. But I think we've all got so used to um, Zoom. I think that there's, there's, there's a degree of, feeling confident enough to bring your personality to zoom as well though because people often say that at early stage they're investing in the founder yeah. and if you don't give off your best self and best impression over zoom then you'll struggle to get you know yourself across and ultimately your business so i think it's important you know i, I don't i don't know now i think people are probably doing more and more in person but it's just it's just also really efficient to do it over zoom you know you could do 10 investor calls in a day versus too if you were doing them in real life so i'm not anti-zoom when it comes to investors at all yeah because i feel like in the in the past it may have been a lot of whining and dining you you go meet people you have a drink or you have dinner and then you talk for three four hours and at the end the person goes you know what nah and you know you've, you've probably you're probably down to your last hundred quid and you've spent about 60 of it on on this on this thing you're like jesus christ but now it's a a lot more kind of business focused and that kind of thing so the the day that you know you were fully funded and things were kind of you're looking like right i've got a good shot at this most people fundraise to grow right so did you raise that money to to hire staff like i'm i'm really kind of curious about you know obviously you don't have to break it down for me completely but you know the the plans were right we're going to build slip out and we need people to do that and we need you know you know the right people so now you now you're a, you're a hiring person yeah. So I remember on the accelerator, they said the hardest thing in a startup is to get product market fit. And once you do that, the next hardest thing is fundraising. And once you overcome that barrier, 
the next hardest thing is hiring. And that is so true. You know, I, I kudos to the person that told me that because that is so true. Because you're at this point now where you've got the money and quite rightly, as you said, you need to grow. So you need to bring in the people that are going to make things move. Mm. And when you have been so proud of something for such a long time and it has been so personal mm. to then start sharing it with other people was really scary um I like I know when you know Milo who's our first you know ex, other than Eddie and I our first hire you know I spent the whole first stages overloading him with information and I said to him you know I think I haven't told you half of everything but everything's in my head so if like you need anything <laughs> just like ask yeah because well, you're not a big organization where there's handbooks and processes and also yeah. you shouldn't be because you're still figuring out which processes work for you and your team yeah so I think that you know finding people that are a aligned with like your personal values, which are ultimately the company values. B gonna do a great job and C not so expensive because they haven't had like tons and tons of work experience, but they've got that commercial acumen and like business acumen and you know intellectual um intelligence to be able to grow into the role in the company. Mm. That for me was it's hard to find. And when you find those people, oh, you've got to hire them so, so quickly because they will go and they're like gold dust. Yeah. And and so now that you're kind of in this stage of, of growth and, and you're knowing what kind of people to hire and all that kind of stuff, is it, uh, again, one of those ones where you get that multiplier of, of progress? Because for me, what I'm trying to understand is once you'd come out the accelerator, once you'd fundraised, Slip as a, as a product wasn't fully formed. It was just an idea. So now you said you talk about product market fit and all that kind of stuff. Is Are you in a place where there's a, a prototype or a, a working version of Slip Out in the world? Um, almost. So we've just basically, we've got like one more month of development. So, and then we'll do some testing. So Slip will be like launching in June. Um, so that's super exciting. But like I have it on my phone, even though it's in test mode. And that's just amazing to actually physically hold my baby. Um, like the products I've been building. So yeah, I think that now, like the team, the team that we have now are going to be the team that are with us, like from the day we launch to like the day we do our next fundraise, the day we add every new feature. And I think that that's that's super exciting, and that for me is the selling point when I'm speaking to candidates. I'm like, you genuinely will see us go from the idea to the product development to the launch to the you know product enhancement to the fundraise to the you know, series A, series B. And, uh, you know, if I was in that position, I would jump at an opportunity to be part of that really, really exciting early stage growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being part of a team where no no idea is a stupid idea, no process is a stupid process, everything's listened to, everything's welcomed. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's a super exciting phase. Um, like, I literally wake up every day smiling. <laughs> boyfriend says to me what are you smiling for yeah. and I say because I'm going to work and he thinks I'm so weird but I just love what I'm doing so so much and I really feel kind of what we were saying at the start like I'm doing what makes me happy mm. and even when I'm stressed and even when I feel you know super burnt out I remind myself that I'm loving what I'm doing and it's all for a greater purpose you're happy to go to work every day and, and you're, you're building slip how do you find that good work-life balance because I have a phrase which I like to say is there is no work-life balance there's simply just life and you happen to work Mm. in that life I love that you should get that frame somewhere (laughs) that 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 feels like it could be like a viral a viral you know inspirational quote like the new live laugh laugh (laughs) yeah when I become a thought leader I'll get tattooed on my forehead that'll that'll work perfectly (laughs) 
But yeah, how do you find that work-life balance? I totally agree with what you said. I don't think there needs to be a work-life balance. You know, I was speaking the other day about what I'm doing, you know, this week after work. And more or less every night apart from tonight where I'm with my parents is work-related. You know, I'm seeing friends from my accelerator. I then have like dinner with an investor. I then have a charity meeting about something to do with work. But that's okay. And I think that I try and I try and protect my weekends from a social perspective to see my friends. Mm. But, you know, it's not, it's not healthy whether you're a founder or working to like do something every single night of the week because you burn out. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when I first started working, you know, in the city and I was going to the gym every single day, going to work, seeing a friend in the evening. Mm. And I and I burn out. So it would be no different for, you know, anyone in any job, whether you work in media or consultancy or law or anything. You can't have a plan every night of the week. Yeah. Um, but my plans in the nights of the week are work related. So that feels okay. It like yeah. feels like I'm making an exception for myself because they're not social plans. Yeah. They're more like work related plans. So I think that when it comes to work life balance, like I go to sleep at a reasonable time every single night yeah. because I know that I won't be productive if I'm not. So, and I see my friends, I make time to see my family. I think, I, I think I'm making a point to myself and to the people around me that you can have it all. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are days where I, you know, shout and I say, I'm really proving that you can't do it all, but I think you can. And I think if you have the right support network around you, you can have it all. You can, you can love what you're doing. You can build an amazing business. You can have relationships. You can have you know strong friendships with family and friends and, 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 and have it all. I don't, I don't see why you can't. Um, you know, there are sacrifices that you have to make at every point of time. But the people around you that love you and support you are still going to be be there for you. You just have to be, you know, honest and transparent and not a dick to them, basically. Yeah. You've got, I, I, never, I never think of myself as more important than my friends just because I might be busier. You know, they're my friends and we're the same person. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with what we're doing in our work lives. You've got to have equal respect for everyone around you then they'll have the respect for you, which will enable you to live your ultimate work-life balance. Yeah. That's a very long-winded answer. I feel like I went off the tangent there. That's a, that's a perfect answer because it, it's one of those ones where you've, you've kind of accepted that there is there is a, an element of negativity in the, in the toxic hustle culture that is being pushed on people right now. And, and it's, it, I guess for me, I would, I'd be curious to know that you're obviously working very, very hard at Slip and also, you know, conscious of the fact you need to, you know, have that downtime, you need to have time with family. But what is a time or a thing that happened when you were building Slip that didn't go so well? And what did you learn from that? You know, something that you might have been, you know, like you said, you woke up at three in the morning, got replied to CMR straight away, you know. What what are some of the things that have come up problem-wise that you've had to combat? Oh, good question. Hard to, hard to pick just one. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us all of them. We'll be here for hours. It's fine. <laughs> I think like um, managing expectations is definitely hard. You know, you can you can be talking to someone and they assume assume something in it, and it's totally wrong. You know, I was at a call once with an investor, and they like totally misunderstood my product, and they went off and they like sold themselves a lie about what it was, and were like, oh, well, it's wonderful because it does X Y Z. And I was in this massive problem because so I'm like, do I tell them that it doesn't do X, Y, Z? Do I take the money? Like, what do I do? And I think that that was very much a just be transparent because 
like I said earlier, if they're investing in the business, they're probably investing in me and they'll invest in my ability to execute, you know, ABC, not XYZ. And so I definitely like value transparency when it comes to people talking to me. So I would want to do the same to them. So I was super transparent, like (laughs) Slip does not do XYZ and it probably won't do XYZ for the foreseeable. Mm -hmm. Um, And they then didn't invest because that's what they thought the product did. And that was fine. And we still, we still catch up. Mm. Um, But I think that, you know, being transparent and not, being misleading I think I'm watching the dropout at the moment you know the one on about Elizabeth Holmes and there are some scary similarities between her and myself I was gonna say blonde hair blue eyes (laughs) it's 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 not that it's the fact that when she's stressed it's like she dances out and that's what I do and I've been very overwhelmed every time I've watched it well, you haven't got a black turtleneck on, so you're you're fine you're not you're not completely there yet (laughs) no I know but her um her, she lied about her product every step of the way yeah. and that was her biggest fault because if she had just managed expectations and being honest mm-hmm. we may you know that it may it may have ended up existing yeah um so i think that it's a it's a lesson from good old lizzie that we can all take into our lives um but yeah i definitely like that yeah i must admit one thing about elizabeth holmes and, and theranos is I originally found out about this. I was like, this this can't be right. This can't be real because I was like, it's not scientifically possible. Like, I was thinking Big Pharma would have done this already. But I was like, when I found out, I don't remember what year it was, but it was much before the scandal came out. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm along for the ride. Then I found out about Elizabeth Holmes. I was like, oh, she's a character. And then I became really invested in her. And then when it all started to go south, I was like damn like she could have been you know one of the next greatest entrepreneurs or you know one of the next greatest people in our in our lifetimes because you've got to be a little bit crazy to change the world you know and um i guess it's with that i ask you you know you said you've been watching her her tv series is there any other places that you you learn or you you kind of get information about entrepreneurship because you seem to know quite a lot is it podcasts books television um, I think I did a lot of books at the start. Every time I spoke to an entrepreneur, I would ask them, like, what's your favorite book? And I would just literally like, go and order it straight away. So I have like a bookshelf of every entrepreneur book. Like, oh, nice. I, I haven't read some of them, but they're, they're just there because some, <laughs> someone told me to buy them. Yeah. So I think now I love podcasts. I love listening to them. I think they're great for on the go. Um, and I love hearing about other founder stories. You know, I also always started, I think every entrepreneur started with like how I built this and oh, listening classic. to the listening to the war stories. Um, but yeah, I think that podcasts, books are number one, but like I love LinkedIn. Mm. Um, I'm a big LinkedIn fan. I'm a big LinkedIn appreciator. So I like follow a lot of like entrepreneurs. I read their content. I read, you know, what they're doing, how they're getting on, go to like webinars and stuff. So I'm always trying to build like my founder network and learn about entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And it was really weird. I was interviewing someone yesterday and they were sit for an internship and they were saying, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't want to go into corporate. I want to go into entrepreneurship. And I was like, I didn't even think that was a thing. Like, I didn't even think there were two career paths and yeah. there was a career path called entrepreneurship. Mm. But how great that there is. Like, that's amazing. Um, like, I'm happy for students of today that they have a career path called entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. And so you said you bought every book that somebody would suggest to you. Do, do you have any standouts out of the ones you've read? Or do you know, like, is there anything that kind of caught your attention 
Um, I loved Inspired, which is by Matty Kagan. And that was a really, really great book. It's all around like, how to go tech products that people love. Mm. Um, I liked Working Backwards and The Lean Startup. Like The Lean Startup is a classic and mm. um, you, can't really, you can't really beat it. It teaches you a lot. Um, I'm trying to think about some other ones. I love like personal development books as well. Like I love Simon Sinek and Start With Why and all that mm. type of stuff. And um, oh, what was the other one I read recently? Black Box Thinking as well. Um, but yeah, there are some good books out there. I, I go through phases where I prefer like reading them or listening to them. So I, I sometimes get like halfway. I'm like, I don't want to read you anymore. I want to listen to you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just trying to alternate. Yeah. Okay. Because you know what's funny? Until you said Simon Sinek, I was like, "What?" Or Andaline Startup. I was like, "I've never heard of any of these books before." But it's it's funny how different people have different suggestions of books because you know. I guess the takeaways aren't always the same. Like I'm, I'm not a tech founder, but if I were to read that tech founder book, I might get a different kind of understanding of how to run my own business. So it is kind of interesting how each book has its own different little nuances mm. and things that it teaches you. But you said- What's you were, your favorite book? At the moment. Do you know what's funny? I feel like my favorite book is whatever book I'm reading at the moment. So I'm reading this book called uh, Don't Split the Difference. And it's just about negotiating and- uh, Yeah. It's, oh, you've heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, but oh, I've heard of it. Start reading it, man. I, I'm, I realise I'm using some of those tactics, you know, literally yesterday when I was trying to pitch someone a project. And I was like, it, it's working. It's really working. Like, obviously, I've worked in sales before and I had my own sales tactics, but I, he's like flipped it on its head. He's like, don't aim for someone to say yes, yes, yes. You actually want to get to the first no, because once you get to no, you understand what they want and you can offer what they want mm -hmm. or explain you can't offer what they want. I was like, damn. So yeah, for now it's it's don't split the difference. Um, I read the how I built this book that was interesting, but I think my my all time favorite bi business book is the richest man in Babylon. It's a very thin little book, but it teaches you about how to manage your money. It, you know, obviously none of it's sink, sunk in because I'm bloody broke, but <laughs> but it, it's just really interesting to think that like this is you know that it basically says back in the times of Babylon and the biblical times or whatever there you know there was a rich man and this is how he managed his money and it, it's no different now as it was back then so it's yeah it's one of those things that i uh i'm just interested in i uh, i read a lot but i don't think any of it sticks i think i'm a bit of an idiot but <laughs> definitely not <laughs> yeah so all the people that you learn from and all the things that you kind of look at and, and go and go to to learn from what is it that you take from it and add to yourself most of the time? Are you are you looking to build parts of yourself or are you looking to just have a nosy and then add that to your your kind of understanding of things? Oh, always looking to build myself. You know, I really focus. I think when you're when you're a founder of a business, you can spend a lot of time just focusing on building the business and mm. not thinking about your own personal development. But by you but being a better person you're going to build a business the business isn't going to build you it will be the other way around so I'm always looking for things that I can learn and how I can improve especially when it comes to things like now you know I've managed someone before but I've never been the boss of a company and you know being a person that five people look to as their you know the owner of the business mm. so I am seeking mentors that have done it to tell me you know what's the best things you've learned I always ask people you know what's the one thing you wish you didn't do or the one thing you wish you knew earlier and I always try and incorporate that into what I'm doing because it's the best way to grow is like learn by doing and and trying new things out and 
you're learning from other people's mistakes. So I'm always like on the hunt for personal development, 100%. Yeah. And what are the things you've learned? What are the things you've kind of taken into your, into your, you know, your, your leading process from, from these lessons? Um, I think I've become a much better active listener. I think um, active listening is an entirely new skill. I think that um, everyone should try and get a bit better at it. It's like really understanding what the other person's saying and actually incorporating it into your answers so that you're, you know, they know that you're actively listening to them. So that that's one. I think resilience has been, you know, my, you know, number one skill that I feel like I've learned and built on whilst being a founder and I feel like I'm getting more and more resilient and thick skinned every day Um, and I just think my ability to take criticism as well you know I was not uh, hands like hands up hated criticism if someone criticized me I take it so personally I used to like cry if I ever got bad feedback at work I'd literally cry I take it so so personally Mm. whereas now you know at the end of most calls I look at the person in the room and said how do you think I did on that like how can you give me some feedback? Mm. Because that's the only way I'm going to get better. And I need people around me that are going to be honest and going to tell me, you know, that wasn't so great. Maybe you could do this. And that's how I learn, you know, by people giving that constructive criticism. Yeah. I guess becoming an entrepreneur, you have to become quite, not hard, but you know what I mean? You have to become quite immune to, you know, words like no or just really harsh feedback because you end up dealing with people that are quite analytical and honest. So they might go, oh, you know, this is rubbish. That's good. But you know what? I like you. And, and you might go, they don't like what I'm saying. But you've got to see it for what it is rather than feel like it's a, a personal attack, I'm guessing. Mm, yeah, definitely. You've got to learn to stop taking those personally and start thinking, okay, it's a no, but like, no, but how could we do this better? Or no, if we did this. So you've got to like flip every no into some positive learning experience or positive outcome. You can't just like have a no and associate that with negativity it has to always lead to something better yeah and and so with slip obviously coming out in june you said so that is you know very quickly coming upon us what will that look like to the to the i don't know if you can talk about this yet or not but what what will that look like to the user how would i interact with slip is it a qr code is it you know how how do i keep my receipts in order yeah, so you'll go into a store that's working with us and they'll say, hey, have you heard about Slip? And you'll you know, quickly go into the app store, download it, put in the details. Then you'll get a Slip code, you'll press add to wallet, so whether that's Apple or Google, and then you'll present that at the till. Now, we also do have a way to do that much faster, like the first time you do it, so you don't have to put it, pop in the details. Mm. Um, we call it like single Slip. But um, that QR code will then allow you, you'll present that at the till, They'll scan it and instantly in real time, you'll get a sent notification saying, hey, Sam, you know, your receipt from Aldo is now available to view on your app. Um, and then that will be the same every single place that you go shopping. And you'll never have to give out your details again. You'll never have to re-register. And we're really trying to take away that friction mm. that right now, the only way to get a digital receipt on your phone is by standing at the till and spelling out your email address. And mm. I hate that. Yeah. I think it is such an outdated process. I think that it's, it's horrible for the customer, but it's even worse for the sales assistant that has to try and spell your name wrong. And, you know, you've got two S's, one N, John with an H, John with an N. It's just, it's just, it's just unenjoyable. Yeah. And you've got those people that get offended when people don't know how to spell their name. It's just, it's just not great. Yeah. So we're really trying to take away that 
friction and, and that barrier and just really make it like one scan, one tap, really, really simple technology mm. that you can use everywhere that you shop because the last thing we want to do is everyone has to download an app for every single place that they go. We really want to try and like aggregate that all and bring it together in something that's retailer and payment agnostic. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those ones where the more shops that incorporate this is that it's the more seamless it becomes for the user it's like you should just expect to be like oh yeah I, I, I want my receipt through slip and for the environmentally conscious person they know that they're not you know creating this mm-hmm. endless these endless reams of paper because that's one thing i've always found really frustrating in my life is like what why why is this piece of paper my ticket to returning this item to you like this item is clearly sold here whether I got it here or not isn't isn't the point. Or if you know, even items that only are from certain shops, it's like this says Uniqlo in it. There's no other Uniqlo. Like just take take my things back. Oh no, we need your receipt as proof of purchase. I'm like, well, f- crying out loud. Do you know what I mean? I've lost that that yeah. pointless piece of paper. I know, I know. It's it it, it 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 is crazy. And I think from a customer experience perspective, for sure. And I think when you're talking about that like seamless you know experience it's the same with apple pay now you know i know so many people including myself that often don't go out with a card like i literally just have apple pay and i was in the store and they told me they didn't have apple pay i was like i genuinely can't buy your product (laughs) and they were like what do you mean i was like i don't have a purse like i literally just have my phone Mm. and that's not that rare anymore you know mobile payments and wallet payments are through the roof so if I, if I have to go out with just my phone and then you know, the classic scene is when I go and return something to the post office and I go with my phone, you know, just to get the QR code up for ASOS and then I'm walking along, no pockets, just my phone and like seven proof of purchase receipts. Yeah. There should be a way to just put that all together and there is a way and that way slip. <laughs> yeah, lovely. I love that. What is it that brings you the most joy in your line of work? Um people telling me that they love my idea um, <laughs> I don't know whether that's like a common answer or a shit answer but when I'm when I'm out and about and I see someone that I haven't seen for three four years and they're like oh I've seen what we're doing with slip absolutely love it that for me brings me joy because I feel like I've told someone about a product that they didn't know about before and that product was my idea mm. and for me that brings me so much joy I don't, I don't know what about it makes me so happy and maybe it's like you know it's it's so flattering Mm. um but that's one thing and I guess the other is um thing that brings me so much joy is when like other founders work together like I love seeing collaborations I love the ability to collaborate with other founders because we're we're all hustling we're all trying to get our products known get them out there and anything that we can do to help each other when it's not competitive of course is just so beneficial for both of us so i that's that's like another thing that brings me tons of joy in this world like being able to collaborate with other founders and and finding opportunities to kind of boost each other up where can the people find you online so slip yourself whatever you want to promote this is your time to to let that out yeah, so feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Tash Grossman. Um, you can follow us our, our page on LinkedIn as well. We're Slip. Um, our website's www.tryslip.com and you'll soon find Slip in the App Store and for Android and iOS very soon. Thank you for listening to People Explained. New episodes come out every Monday. We would appreciate it if you gave us a review on Apple Podcasts and shared this episode with a friend.